Hello, and welcome to UX Soup, a short-form podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home, in the car, and while mobile. I'm Chris Schreiner, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Lisa Cooper. Hello. And Derek Vita. Hello, everybody. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients insights, analysis, and expertise. Today, we're going to go beyond the buzzwords of augmented reality to talk about some of the uh, experiences um, that we've uh, done research on and written about and to see where augmented reality has to go next in order for it to, uh, to grow and expand. So it's currently touted as the next big thing in quotes. And most people, their first encounter with it has been with Pokemon Go or those AR games. Uh, see people walking around with their phones in front of their faces. And with 5G rolling out and becoming uh, more widespread, 5G is supposed to reduce some of the latency issues that we would see with early augmented reality applications. And it's, it's touted as one of the big benefactors of more people moving to 5G on their devices. But... Right now, it's it's kind of in a holding pattern. We're seeing some user experience issues that are holding it back. Right now, the biggest benefit or the biggest app that we see uh, that's useful for consumers is, is kind of like an AR ruler. And that's kind of not where augmented reality needs to be. So we've done, uh, all three of us have done research looking at augmented reality in, in different applications. And so we wanted to talk about some of the some of the good and some of the bad that we've seen in the future of augmented reality. We'll start off with Lisa, you've been doing some research on, on AR. Yes, so I came across some research um, done by the Victoria University of Wellington. They have done some usability evaluation of a augmented virtual teleportation system. It's a proof of concept that they've created. Teleportation. Teleportation. Uh, they published this in March of this year, uh, where they take a remote virtual reality user and they teleport him into a host who is wearing an AR head-mounted display. And they, the whole purpose of this is to collaborate. This is the, the AR host has the collaboration space. So the VR traveler... Um, they use a 360-degree camera, and a virtual avatar is placed over that camera, and that's what the AR host sees. So they both see the same virtual objects, and then they can manipulate those objects and move them around. That sounds pretty cool. <clears throat> I could I could see some uh, fun reunions happening there if you could do that. You know, go see Aunt Sally. <laughs> oh. A virtual visitor, go see Aunt Sally in the in her house. You could, you, if they if they manage to uh, develop these avatars to be more realistic, you could even see Aunt Betty's eye rolls and <laughs> their various little, you know, facial tics. And we found recently that there are a lot of consumers, even older consumers, that are interested in having more augmented reality and communication. Yes. So as part of their evaluation, they looked at social presence and spatial presence and whether you felt like you were there. And they had, it was a very positive result. 
So definitely something something to look forward to if they continue on on the trajectory they're on. Excellent. We've also, uh, last year we did research on Google's AR pedestrian navigation application. We did an expert evaluation of that uh, walking around the streets of San Diego. And it's a, it's a AR navigation for pedestrians. It's a, it's a good concept and it sounds like it's a easy win, but there are a couple of UX issues that really kind of get in the way of it. So for instance, you don't want to, you have to hold your phone out in front of you uh, in order to see where the arrows are to see where you're supposed to go, street names, buildings, what have you. Um, Can I ask a question? Certainly. Is it projected or is it on the phone? It's on the phone. It's on the phone. It's on the phone. So you have to hold the phone up in order to see these directions. So you're walking down the street, again, holding your phone like you're playing Pokemon Go or something like that. Uh, and that can be dangerous, especially if you are around traffic. So they have to put in a a warning and actually discourage you from using this too much. So if you're holding, it senses if you're holding the phone up too long, it'll actually turn the feature off so that you can put the phone down and actually see where you're going. So it's a it's a very difficult line to say, hey, we're going to build this service out for you, but you can't use it too much or else we're going to cut you off. And that's obviously not a not a great experience with that. Are there certain scenarios where you have a separate screen, like a, uh, let's say a bus stop or something like that, where you're not necessarily requiring on the, the user to handle the equipment that would potentially solve that problem? If there were uh, other displays, yeah, like at a bus stop or or somewhere in the infrastructure, or if you had augmented reality glasses or something like that, where it's off in the periphery, great. But obviously we're not there yet. So that's one reason, that's one area where uh, in automotive uh, augmented reality could see some wins is when you have like a, a passenger oriented display, right? For things like showing uh, nearby points of interest, uh, there's advertising related use cases as well. But let me pull back here for a second and talk about automotive in general, because uh, augmented reality is a perfect uh, test case for some of the things that are good and bad about new tech that filters its way into automotive. So it's a, a perfect way. Automotive in general is a perfect way to separate the folks who have actually given some thought to the end user in context of use and those who are just trying to plug their tech into every vertical they can imagine. Right. Uh, so every generation of, uh, you know, tech biz dev folks and entrepreneurs go through the same exercise exercise of saying, well, of course it's going to work in a car because spin, spin, spin. Uh, and it's understandable, right? We can all relate to moving from place to place. Everybody can sort of grok what it's like to be in a car uh, or on a bus or taxi, things like that. And to Chris's point, there's clearly some application for certain automotive use cases, sort of shared ride or uh, like that last few step experience, right? Uh, there's also way too many bad ideas for AR floating around in automotive. Uh, so mostly related to driver-facing head-up displays for the windscreen, things like collision alerts, uh, pedestrian detection, sat-nav directions. There's way too many times where seeing AR developers completely ignore context of use. So the challenge for any safety-critical use case is to call out an object while not occluding that object or occluding another danger while calling out that object. So for example, there's a pedestrian up ahead, 
you show an augmented reality display that occludes a pothole coming up ahead. So good AR for safety-related use cases uh, has a number of other tech-related challenges too, like to what Chris mentioned about connectivity and the prohibitive expense of uh, implementing AR on uh, automotive-grade windscreens, but it will essentially come back to completely understanding that context of use for a driver where it sort of stops. So how do you call up an image in that scenario? Is it at the sides and the peripheries? So the challenge with having something out in the periphery is then that there is a danger of it being outside of the driver's forward field of view, the object they're focusing on. Um, So there's a a sort of a balance you need to strike there. And then the balance between uh, clutter as well. Absolutely. Get way too cluttered. Right. Challenging for sure. Absolutely. What would you see to be the the best application for AR and in, in a HUD, is there? Do we have to wait for L four autonomy, or what is? Ultimately, we're going to have to see some sort of advanced driving assistant really take off in order for driver facing AR HUDs to really advance. Uh, there's some more low hanging fruit related to the passenger experience, but uh, for things that are on a windscreen, as long as the driver is the ultimate arbiter of how the car moves, uh, it's going to be a little while. So shifting gears a little bit, there are other applications for augmented reality that have some potential good for society in serving some underserved communities. And I know, Lisa, you've been looking a little bit at that as well. Oh, for people with low vision? Yes. Yes. Uh, So I've been looking at um, research being done by Cornell and Columbia University. They compared two ways of helping people with low vision that can't be helped with prescription glasses or anything like that. How to go down the stairs, that's a very dangerous thing for them. Um, So they compared mobile AR projection with HoloLens glasses to see if they could play with the design of those things to help them get down the stairs safely and see if that it would give them a sense of uh, feeling more safe as well as get them down the stairs more quickly. So uh, they tested that out and found that the um, mobile AR projection actually was the, the better of the two. They used a Wizard of Oz technique to evaluate that. And then with the, the HoloLens, uh, the glasses, the issue with that was the field of vision. It was just too too small vertically. I think it was... 29 degrees. So it's a very small vertical vision. So they couldn't see the step and they'd have to constantly look down. So it was quite a big issue for them. Um, So they played around with different designs, uh, whether they should use big yellow bars um, to delineate the first step and the last step, as well as the middle steps. And then they played around with auditory sounds as well to help the person figure out how far away they were from the first step. Um, and yes, the AR projection was the easiest of, and, and the better of the of the two. It's always nice. Sometimes in the work we do, we don't necessarily see upfront how some of these could be used for more to to help deal with disabilities or for communities that you know, are mass market consumers. So, yeah, it's hugely beneficial for anyone with any kind of limitation of any kind. In fact, that's probably the area can help the most really and quickly too 
So to get back to the mass market consumer now, one of the things that uh, the AR community is, is waiting for is, is Apple. There's been rumors and rumors and very well verified rumors that Apple is working on some AR glasses. The launch date for these keeps getting pushed back a little bit, depending on which Apple analysts you uh, listen to. We're looking at sometime between 2021 and 2023 uh, for these to be released, which is uh, 2023 would be a, a long time in the consumer electronics world. What does Apple need to do in this to really make glasses successful and, and do what Google couldn't do with Google Glass and, and get them to actually be adopted by a wide variety of consumers? It's going to come down to form factor. Uh, so one of the problems that we found in Google's previous uh, uh, foray into this space is that it, it just did not work from a for quote unquote fashion perspective, right? At some point, people are going to have to want to look like they're wearing these things, right? So, and, and I'm I'm far from a fashion maven. Uh, but uh, understand that at some point you're going to need to, in the wearable space, people are going to want to have to go out in public. A large non-early adopting segment is going to want to be seen in public with them. I I read somewhere that it would replace or it would accommodate people with prescription glasses. Is that right? Yeah, there are AR glasses out there now that can accommodate at least some prescriptions. And for me, I'm wondering what the how they're approaching vergence accommodation conflicts, the ability to see those virtual objects and reality at the same time without causing people eye strain and headaches and things like that. So if they're trying to accommodate people who normally wear prescription glasses, that sort of suggests that they'd be expecting people to wear these a long time. So I wonder if they're playing around with that because that's been the bane of a lot of AR wearables. And then you have people like me as we uh, come of that certain age where we end up having uh, bifocal lenses we. and oh, we, <laughs> people of my certain age. <laughs> uh, and we already have to deal with you know, different lens strengths mm. and trying to see things up close and far away. And now we've got this third image that's being projected somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then what about lighting conditions? Yes. I'm wondering how they're going to accommodate that also. It's it's certainly not an easy no, <laughs> fix. No, and then battery life. Yeah. I think they're saying, what, three hours? Yeah, that's not going to work very well. Yeah. I think they have a lot to deal with. There is a lot to deal with, but in all honesty, we need AR to be something that is hands-free. Well, it has to be some kind of glasses, in my opinion, because we're not going to be able to be walking around with phones in front of our faces and navigating the environment. Well, yeah, just going back to what Derek was saying, I mean, we're talking about clutter. Where would it be? Is there going to be things in the periphery? I mean, you can't have something occluding your view if you're walking around with right. these on your face. So, And then in the periphery, you have such a small space to be yes. able to provide some useful info. So I've had um, at CES some Amazon demos of, of glasses, AR glasses, where it's up in the, you know, in, in your periphery on your right side and they've got a little camera shooting it on the lens and it's not very useful <laughs> because it, it might show the weather or it would give oh. you a turn-by-turn -turn direction or pop up with a notification if you have some email coming in that you can then well, that, something on your ring. To... That goes back to 
use case? I mean, is right. it use? Is it? Is it? Does it have value? Right. <laughs> so yeah, they've got a lot of things to think about. Well, I think it's time that we moved on to uh, what we're going to have as a recurring segment on our podcast called Condensed Soup. Yeah, so Condensed Soup. In Condensed Soup will be right. a quick roundtable where we give the best or worst user experience that we've had in the past week. And uh, Derek, let's start with you on this. With uh, Since we're talking about augmented reality and we were talking about communication, um, Let's let's make this about teleconferencing this week. Absolutely. So uh, let me start by saying all teleconference platforms are terrible, and uh, I hate using them. I got a new microphone, so I don't necessarily have to rely on the laptop mic anymore because it's, it's sitting next to the speaker. It's very buzzy, things like that. Before my first video call with it, I got it all plugged in. A little green light turned on. Video platform said it was connected, and it didn't work. There was no audio. I had to switch to backup. Turns out the green light indicates that it is plugged in, not that it is on. I had to flip a separate on-off switch. Frustrating. Extremely. You have one, Chris? I do, I do. So uh, mine also <laughs> has to do with microphones. And it's because we have so many teleconferences, we are on so many different platforms. And we I have uh, three different mics that I use depending on what I'm doing. And the default mic that is used in all of these different uh, platforms when you first log on to them isn't necessarily the same or isn't the one that was saved last time. Uh, so there have been times when I'm, I'm on a laptop mic and I want to be on a on my headset mic or I'm on my podcast mic when I want to be on some other mic. And that's uh, frustrating. Ooh, okay, so uh, I suppose I'll add to the frustration of microphones oh, we're, too. We're going three downers. We're going for microphones. So this microphone that I'm talking into right now, it's rather large. Uh, I'm a fairly small person, and I was trying to do a meeting on that recently. Um, but I, this is the first time I'd used it again for for quality for a, for a WebEx call, and so I had my notes. I tend to write notes on paper. And I had a, I think, oh, I have my computer in front of me too. It's so big. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see around. I had to like, I just couldn't, it just really threw me off my game because I just couldn't. And then when I had to type something in and I had to go around the microphone as well. So yeah, just not particularly good for WebEx calls. I was hoping it would be. You know what you need, Lisa, is some uh, augmented reality glasses that could uh, display the laptop for you. Oh, yes. mm -mm, there's a use case right there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Teleconferencing these days, it's easy to uh, <clears throat> find a lot of uh, bad parts of the user experience. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, that's a whole other show, I think. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Yep. Um, that's all for now. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Here's a reminder that uh, UX Soup is sponsored, as always, by Strategy Analytics. Please check out the latest user-focused insights in mobile, automotive, and smart home by visiting strategyanalytics.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter through visiting our show page at ux-soup at captivate.fm. Please also remember to subscribe to UX Soup on your favorite platform. You can also rate and review our show. Thank you again. Bye for now. Bye. Bye, everybody.